stupid. Humans are stupid. They're so fucking easy to manipulate. And you don't manipulate them by whinging at them the whole fucking five minutes because he lost the ball himself. <laughs> this is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. You know, I can't even pretend to like the Gile. People were calling it gold. It wasn't even gold. That was the thing. It was bronze. It was a sign of a team that weren't going to come away as winners anyway. It was, look, it was fitted well. It was probably bold, daring. You know, Emery's still in good shape and it showed that off in fairness, but but it wasn't working. Like, not with, not with everything else that was going on and, and this is it. Villa are so close to being a good team. They're so close to being a good team. Just like that GLA was so close to looking really good on Unai Emery. Liam, have you joined me for this podcast? <laughs> I, I was under the misapprehension that I was joining you for an Aston Villa Arsenal review. <laughs> so do you want to pick up on the GLA or on Villa being close to a good team? Yeah, look, the first half was was a great game. It was actually enjoyable. I mean, it was a, it was a <laughs> del- delightful game of football. Both both teams not really creating enough, but both trying to win the game, trying to dominate it and button heads. I think Wright Phillips at the, the end of the game said Arsenal should have been out of sight, particularly in the first half. I mean, he had two shots in the first half. I mean, that was either preposterous recency bias or he's a moron. I'll leave it up to the listener at home to decide which of those two I think it was. <laughs> And then the second half was a really tough watch. I mean, it's it's everything we've given out about for the last three years. Passivity, individual errors, no courage on the ball or off the ball, sinking too deep. I mean, when has sinking ever been a good thing? <laughs> the, the, the connections on the ball weren't there. People were hiding. There, there was one in the second half where we were doing quite well to hold on to the ball under pressure, and that came down and made its way to made its way to cash. And then Leander then Donker, just as the moment, arrive for him to go out and get the ball he was inhabited by the spirit of Glenn Whelan and he just he caught himself off from the pass by moving to make sure an Arsenal player was between him and the ball yeah. I mean, Glenn Whelan's not even dead Conan he's dead to me like, <laughs> he, he also played with all the animation of a course but that's neither here nor there but how can you be possessed by a, by a living being that's what that's what I want to know like how can a centre midfielder not want to get on the ball why has Glenn Whelan made more of a cultural impact on this club than Paul McGrath or Ian Taylor or Stylian Petrov? Like, all we had to do in that second half, and an injury time even, was get on the ball and run when we didn't have it. Be cunts, dogs. Like, get into position, get out, get back in. I mean, there, there should have been a cacophony of noise emanating from the Arsenal player. Just fucking go away. But it just never arrived. We just didn't have that aggression. And I know we'll come to the goals, and very soon, in fact. I mean, I figured out your little tricks now at this stage. But <laughs> why do we continue to fuck ourselves? I mean, we're an attractive team. It's time we started fucking someone else. How many goals have we conceded in the last couple of weeks that were individual errors? And not in a, he, he's got to do better sort of a way. It's what the fuck is he playing at sort of a way? It's ridiculous. Yeah you do know my tricks in fairness but I'm going to just withhold going to the goals in a second like and let's bring someone from the Glen Whelan 
category forward here. What happened to the the shithousing to close the games out? You know, the ones that we were doing so well, the the four six zero formation, the the five central midfielders formation. What happened to the bastards that we were seeing against Brighton? The you know the ugliness against Southampton, like those those ways of seeing the game out. Are are we? Are we too open? Is this part of the reason why we're actually good as well? Like, are, are we sacrificing being tied at the back to be more potent going forward? But I don't think that's what it is because it's just a passivity, as you said. It's mistakes. And yeah, like, of all the people for Dundonker to summon, of all the spirits for him to call out to, he's called out to Glenn Whelan, of all the people he could have gone, like Andy Townsend, Andy Townsend was on co-commentator in the in the stream I was watching, and anyway, he could have called out for him, could have called out for him, and he called out for Glenn Whelan. <laughs> no, we're not too open, I mean, this is the way football, you, you can't, you, you attack and you defend as a team, like, we had to defend as a team, we had to, we had to just run more, we had to be more aggressive, we had to be in their faces, we had to realise we were playing Arsenal, we had to know the way to beat Arsenal, I know this is a different Arsenal team, but they've still got all that weight on them as well, from all the past experiences that they've had, they were in a fucking terrible moment in their season as well, we had to just be bigger cunts, and we just didn't do it. Yeah. There's no way of transitioning to talking about a beautiful first goal from the anger and the, the sick feeling that we have at the minute. But if the listener could just take a breath and now go back to when it was nil-nil, it was the start of the game. Villa are brilliant usually now when they come out and Villa Park's rocking and they're on it. And yeah, it's the antipathy of everything we're talking about that happens at the end of games, especially games we're in the lead because we usually take the lead against a lot of teams as well. But Cash just strips the ball as Zinchenko. Just that, that lack of respect, like a really positive lack of respect, takes it off him and then he beats him to the loose ball, gets his arse and back in front of them, leaves him for dead, drives out, and then in the most oh, the most non-Matt Cash fashion ever, dinks his gorgeous ball over the top. Like I, I had been calling Matt Cash only two podcasts ago, agricultural. Like this was anything but this was brilliant. Like from from everything from defending to driving out to pick looking up and then picking a spot gloriously, and then Watkins gets Saliba lined up and it's like that that's it. It's over. <laughs> Bert Bert Macklin tweeted to say Ollie Watkins is the greatest striker to ever have played this beautiful game, mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably the most annoying thing about. About this game especially, but maybe about the last few games, is that we finally have Ollie Watkins scoring every game, and now we're losing every fucking game as well. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible from Cash, like the drive followed by the finesse. Like, what a combination. It's such a beautiful thing. And the weird thing is, there was no need for such a delicious little dink, because there's no such thing as a bad ball to Ollie Watkins. Yeah. He actually goes out of his way to prove that there's no such thing as a good ball to Ollie Watkins, because the attempt at a first touch is absolutely terrible. <laughs> but then a man called Ollie says to Saliba, catch me if you can. I mean, it felt like a big moment, and it was celebrated like that in the stands. But then Aston Villa did that thing we do, and undid all that good work. But there are few things in this world that I like as much as Ollie Watkins just deciding they've cut off my right foot, fair enough, and just turning onto his left and drilling it across the goalkeeper. It's magic. Brilliant, brilliant finish. Yeah, 1-1 one, one soon after. I mean, should we start the What the Fuck Award right now? But it's Saka's goal. It's such a poor cross from Ben White. It's it's floating into Martinez's hands, but even 
even if you take that away, like it's it's floating into Tyrone Mings' head. Like forget about Martinez and forget about Martinez should have called, which I don't think he did. Mings should have known. He didn't look. And the other thing is there I think there are four Aston Villa players, maybe five Mings, Martinez, Kanza, Kamara, Buendia. There's five players that are closer to that ball than any Arsenal player. It's such a bad cross from Ben White. And the really weird thing about this is that Mings decided to head it down and in that direction. <laughs> he meant to do that. He executed what he was trying to do. And like th- this was a different thing. I don't want to make a, a case or say, in fairness to Callum Chambers, the last day against Haaland. Like, at least we don't know what he was trying to do when he fell head first into the ball. At least we can assume it was just a tragic mistake. Tyro Mings got up and headed that ball down into the box. What on earth was he thinking? And it was a ruthless finish from Saka. He is becoming a really clinical player. Maybe the second half didn't pan out that way, but good finish. But my God, was he teed up beautifully by Tyrone Mings. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a decent finish from Saka. I think people might be going slightly overboard and claiming Saka has done something incredible by connecting with a football that's been played directly onto his left foot and sat up on the volley without a Villa player in sight. <laughs> Look, we, we don't need to praise Saka for this. He's brilliant. He'll do something brilliant. He, he spanked the ball here and people are behaving like they're bent over his lap, writhing in pleasure as he spanks them. Please, sir, can I have another? He's put his laces through a bouncing ball. Relax, pull your fucking pants back up. But from a, a Villa perspective, like the opposition, you're right, the opposition has done something shit. They've kicked the ball away. They've kicked it to our centre half, who is 10 or 15 yards of space around them. If he leaves it, our keeper collects it, it's exactly... Like Gundogan's goal last week, I mean, the mistake is just as big as Chambers, but for different reasons. Chambers looked like he doesn't know how to move his body. Mings looked like he doesn't know how to play football. Like, (laughs) nodding it down from the byline back onto the penalty spot. And it does. It looks exactly like that's what he was trying to do. (laughs) He he, he moves his head in that way. He doesn't react as if he's surprised or worried about where the ball is going. It's gone exactly where he wanted it to. It's such a bizarre decision. It's a perfect attacking header. I mean, if he was wearing an Arsenal shirt, it would be an incredible bit of play. He wasn't, though. He was wearing a fucking Aston Villa shirt. (laughs) He must have lost all bearings where he was. Surely he didn't know he was on the byline. I assume he thought a forward was up his arse, which you know would would have helped, say, against Leicester if he had a look at what was up his arse. But he didn't. <laughs> he, didn't. he must have thought he was going back on the six-yard line in the middle of the goals. He just lost sight of everywhere he was. He didn't lose sight of the middle of the box, like you say, where he deliberately put that ball back in for, for Saka. But then we got back. We got back to playing some ball. We got back in the lead. Philip continued back in the team, and we scored a goal. And it was a brilliant goal, and... This thing sort of annoys me a bit. I see Arteta complaining, and I'm like, what is he complaining about? And then you can see the commentary. You can hear it, and you can see it online, and people are pointing out that Ben White had bad defending there. Maybe it wasn't great defending. Maybe it was a Villa player. We would have been unhappy. But sometimes teams just open other teams up, and they do it through good play. And we did this through Martinez to Mings to Kamara, that the play that never works. And here it was working. Kamara... Turns, we got Dua back in the middle of our midfield again today and he turns really well, uses his body well and he, he drives out and plays a lovely one-two. Like it's, it's, it's a great 
I think it's a good ball inside. It's, it's that lovely ball inside white and the run from Moreno has gone outside of white. And then he pulled it back and Buendia has just played Shaka like a fiddle. I mean, just talk about knowing your opponent. This meathead is going to come charging in at me and I will just step over the ball and like it will go past him because all he's focused on is absolutely mincing me. And that's exactly what happened. Buendia stepped over, Shaka followed him and the ball's away the other way. Coutinho lets Gabriel sort of fling past him as he pulls it, pulls it neatly into the the near post. It was a it was a great goal from Villa. Such a simple game, you know, pass the ball through the lines, give it give it to the midfielder and give it quickly. It's such a lovely bit of midfield play from Kamara. The the one two with Emi Bundia and the ball, the ball on the inside for Moreno. And if anyone is wondering what it's like to play football with you, then all they have to do is listen to your defence. Of Ben White there. I mean, where is Ben White going? Ben White is a defender, and in your defense, you're not. Ben White is a defender, and he's gone out to get touched tight to Moreno as if he's trying to defend the fucking advertising hortons. Is the, 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 the perfect marketing campaign for how shit a defender he is. Like the pass is the pass is actually slightly under hit, but that's okay because Ben White is thrown on a pinstripe suit and is standing in front of a fucking flip chart. Ben White, I'm toasted. <laughs> Marino, Marino does react brilliantly to to the slightly under hit pass by deciding to play it first time then as well and Emiliano Buendia is such a good footballer that he can nutmeg someone without touching the ball and then the composure from Coutinho was absolutely magic I mean the, the ball is going past Ramsdale as well though who makes it easier for him the ball is going past him by the time he decides to dive in the opposite fucking direction <laughs> What about the fight at the end of the half? This was a strange one because it starts, I think, with another typical Tyrone Mings foul that sometimes he gets away with. You know, anytime a forward's going to collect the ball short, Mings just feels like he has to go through them and push them to the ground, and it's on Nketiah. And then he gets the ball because he's flung Nketiah to the floor, and he passes it away, and Odegaard goes down because he's backed out of making a challenge on Tyrone Mings. <laughs> <laughs> like, that looked really sad. And that got people pissed off. And then Coutinho made a hard tackle on Saka, who seemed incensed at the Odegaard. Like, people were appealing. People, imagine this happened in the last game where Villa played Arsenal, when Mings made a pass, and he hit Saka on the way through. This time, he's made a pass, and he's he's flicked the hair on Odegaard's knee because Odegaard is trying to pull out of the Tyrone Mings pass not the Tyrone Mings tackle of the Tyrone Mings pass and anyway Coutinho hits Saka hard and then Saka reacts pushes him Douglas Louise is straight in Emmy Buendia is straight in Arne Ramsdale thinks he's going to help by charging 80 yards down the pitch to do nothing and then yeah bit of argy-bargy something they watch before halftime if a team wins the title with Martin Odegaard as their captain, then I, I, and I, everything I know about football is wrong. I mean, I just, I, I cannot believe that. I mean, Tyrone Mings looked like he might have ripped his sock with his stud. It was unbelievable, his behaviour there. Such a strange reaction from Saka. For someone who went over the ball and studs up into Moreno's ankle about fucking 20 seconds before that. Yeah. And then Douglas Louise picks up the worst yellow card of all time and he misses the push. It was like someone opened the door just as he was charging at it to break it in. It was fucking <laughs> incredible. It was pathetic. Fucking get yellow carded for pushing him to the ground, Dougie. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Might as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb. The... Equaliser then, I think we were 2-1 up at halftime, but then you're thinking, right, when's 
when's this going to come apart? And sure enough, it's another short corner. But <laughs> it's a short corner, and it's it's all summed up because it's it's just Villa tiring over a progressive period of time. They've you sort of teed this up at the start of the podcast. They they started to give up on playing football, on chasing. They sank deeper and deeper. Yet again, they're slow to go out. Moreno, I think, is the biggest culprit. There's a bit of a delay from Tyrone Mings, who should be aware that Moreno's not going to get out quickly enough. (laughs) (laughs) It comes to Sinchenko. It's a good strike. It's a good strike. Goes through Watkins' legs. It's just a a lethargic goal to give away. And once again, it's like... like, By the way, this goal took us right into the 94th minute then, and you were thinking, is this going to be the one that stops us? It stops us getting all three points against Arsenal, just falling asleep from a corner yet again. Like, wake up! Yeah, wake up is absolutely right. It's a really good hit from Zinchenko, you're right. Unlucky that it goes through Watkins' legs, and unlucky that that probably distracts Martinez for a split second. The build-up to it, like, you know, fair play to Buendia for getting back. It was the first thing he'd done in about 30 minutes that wasn't whinging, but it was also (laughs) pointless. Pointless and probably rash to concede a corner from that position. I mean, the Arsenal player had his back to goal. Actually, he had his back to two Villa players, and then Bundes comes in and kicks it out for a corner. Pointless. Yeah. And then we then we let a three on two develop. And I'm being generous there, seeing as one of our two was fucking Alex Moreno. I mean, we we seem to be caught out with short corners all the time. Yeah. And and I know Austin McPhee has been working tirelessly on attack and set plays like asking Bailey to jog on the spot or, you know, playing the ball to Ashley Young when he's not looking. But we fucking, we fucking need to spend a bit of time on defending set pieces as well. To, like, tell them, if, spend a bit of time, what are we talking about? Tell them if an overload happens, then get out to them. And don't let them work the ball unopposed to the edge of the box to their big summer signing. It was incredible. The mad thing is, is that we're obviously so shit at defending set pieces. Yeah, because obviously we're not working on defending set pieces. And we seem so comfortable giving away corners. Like, we give away a lot of corners. <laughs> like this Bundia one, where it was like, did we need to give that away? We seem so happy, like a team who are experts, like the old Chelsea team back in the day. Like, you know, yeah, let them try and cross this and we'll eat it up. I, I, like, I would not be able to sleep at night just knowing that there's going to be a cross going under the villa box in the morning. I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like I, I, I would be dreading that thought all night thinking about this cross coming in. And like we're, we're not good from corners. We're not awake. It's too often teams can just pass the ball to a free man, either short or either days of the box or either both. And we were very happy to give away corners when it wasn't really necessary sometimes. Yeah, uh, we, we do it all the time. And I, I just I can't figure out. Maybe someone else will look at the stats and say it's bollocks. Like we're, we're talking shit. Maybe we are just too emotionally involved with Aston Villa to, to see the wood for the trees here. And we think we constantly can see from corners. But I'm telling you, we don't fucking defend well from them anyway. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, like the. Uh, just a bad week, isn't it? For sucker punches, really. Just a bad week for the stomach. Tried to shake it off because if you remember <laughs> before this goal got compounded by another goal, if you remember when this goal went in, there were chants around the stadium of Villa till I die. And I thought, yeah, that's probably, we've played well on the ball. It's been a good game. You know, this is this seems a bit unlucky. It's down to laziness. It's down to basic things that we can just iron out. It's down to what I'm just saying. We're close to being a good team, but 
still didn't make this any easier anyway because the Jorginho goal, which bizarrely went down as an OG, you know, it's come back out. and But like, that's... The keeper pushes the ball into their net. It doesn't go down as an OG. But I don't know. I feel that's, that's harsh anyway. But we're too deep. Like, we're too concerned with... We're dropping back, I don't know why, and we're too concerned with holding our hands behind their backs. Like <laughs> penalties don't get given anymore as well. So people need to stop freaking out about just don't just don't move your arm in the in the direction of the ball to try and block it. Just keep your arm where it is. Don't worry about that. Get out and block the ball, actually. And we have ten players. Ten players inside the box as Jorginho's standing at the edge of the D and there's no like there's nobody near him and it's rolled him and it's a good strike. Hits the crossbar, hits Martinez and goes in. And I suppose the funny thing here as well is that there, there are two players in an offside position, two two Arsenal players now. Not for a second saying it should have been given. And I would hate if we got done by that. We would be going off the boil here if that happened. But like the time it happened, and we went off like, the boil. Like the time it happened with John McGinn against <laughs> Arsenal, against the same opposition during lockdown. And it's funny, it's just funny that they didn't even check it. They didn't even check it because little Mikel Arteta has been giving it what for in the interviews this week. He's been putting them under a bit of pressure, saying he wants his two points back against Brentford. Really hard done by last week. This is a different game, lads, and they didn't even check. Like you ha- surely they have to look at that to see if it's impeding with play. Again, I would have thought that was a bit harsh to get rid of that, but the fact that they didn't even go and have a look was just stupid. Well, I'd say they did check it, but they thought they would get away with it. That's that's what happened. They yeah. it, saw it and said, ah, we'll probably get away with this. The starting position has to be that the referees are fucking stupid. And if you haven't done everything in your power to stop a goal, then the weight of your whinging is massively reduced. <laughs> like Ramsey needs to get out. Like rather than rushing Jorginho, he decides the best thing he can do is put his hands behind his back and just stand there as if he's waiting for fucking communion. And and Kamara starts to go out, yeah. and then he he must he must see boyhood Aston Villa fan Jacob Ramsey and think, oh wait, that's not what we do. That's not how we do things around here. And he kind of stops as well and lets him have a shot. He half turns his body, half throws a leg out. It's pathetic. And it's definitely an OG con. I mean, the ball is going in the opposite direction. It's no longer Jorginho's <laughs> shot. It's moving towards the Arsenal goal and then goes back in. Up I mean, Christ almighty, you couldn't see a clearer OG than that. <laughs> I don't know. An OG just has to be a bit more... A bit more deliberate, a bit more control over what you could have done. Like he's moving in the opposite direction, the ball's behind him, but I don't know, it just feels a bit it's part of the same move, the same shot, you know. It just I don't know. It's, it seems like a ricochet, a rebound that I would still include as Jorginho's goal. But uh, like maybe maybe he deserves the OG after what happened in the in the final goal and it just took the glass like the glass off the scoreline. How sad is that? <laughs> <laughs> and uh like we were I think we were sort of time wasting a three-two down then at this stage. We had, we were up over the six minutes added on, and we were very content to keep the ball around the back. We eventually got a corner, and we take our time with that as well. Because look at Dean wants to just have a look to see if everybody's in. Like Martinez has been in for thirty seconds. Everybody's in, and <laughs> it's a shit corner in the end. <laughs> a, I have to say it's a shit setup from Austin McPhee as well. We didn't ever trap teams in. Like, we don't keep them under pressure when we're up there. It's just like now nah, if we don't if we don't get our head on that if we don't have Douglas Louise scoring straight from the corner, 
we are at risk of a team pissing straight down the pitch, wide open, and like yeah, the net was wide open in this case, and they and they put it away. Yeah, and it's made a lot easier for them as well by the fact that Leon Bailey, who's been on the pitch about 20 minutes, just decides not to sprint back as, as if he's done enough to guarantee his starting position next week. But that was really <laughs> fucking strange. And then Matty Cash. Matty Cash has to dive in there. Just fucking mince him. Like, just remember how you used to defend. Yeah. Just put in a scissor tackle there. Like, now is the time to sell yourself. This is the moment. Fucking jump in there. Do everything you can to distract Fiera because what can go wrong here? Like, if he knocks it past you, it's a goal. If you don't dive in, it's a goal. Just fucking lunge in. What the fuck was he doing? Far too polite there. It's like he wanted him to make a mistake. And Christ Almighty could not... You know, if I had a time machine right now, I would go back to that moment with Martinelli and put something in front of him. Put something in front of him as he's celebrating before he knocks that ball to the net. I, nothing could have made me happier than him fucking that up, than him kicking the ground and falling on his face. I wouldn't I wouldn't go back and assassinate Hitler. I wouldn't do it. I, I, I would go back and put a fucking stone in front of Martinelli's big toe. <laughs> And that would be really worthwhile. That would be a good use of that time machine. Uh, let's leave it there. That's been a long top of the show, but I think it was necessary. So we'll see at WhatsApp when you Only one place to start, really, with the week's wages, fines, and it's Emmy Martin as the time wasting. Has to stop now. It has to stop. Time to cut it out. Time to move on. Like he got another yellow card, which is one thing, but today was a long time coming. Six minutes added on. I think that would have taken a lot of people by surprise. And whether it should have been six minutes or not, everyone's on to us now. Like everyone's on to us. Opposition fans are on to us. They were all on Martinez's case from the very start of that second half. Match officials are definitely on to us. These boys don't want to be caught out anymore. If anybody watched the the Nottingham Forest game there against Man City, like just how how excited the ref was to not give any dive, didn't give any yellow cards either, but he just was very much on to Grealish, on to Haaland, not letting them get away with diving. Like they're all aware of the narrative and they want to show off that they're not going to be the latest sucker. And Martinez has definitely been suckering too many people now for this shit. And I feel like the chickens came home to roost today with six added minutes in a game that really didn't need six added minutes. No, it certainly fucking didn't. And we probably deserve to have those six minutes added on because Emmy Martinez is such a twat. But you actually can't add time on. Like most of Emmy Martinez's time wasting was him holding the ball. That's yeah. up to the referee to control that. You can't add time on for that. The ball is in play. The ref has to get him to play it quicker. And the six minutes was absolute bollocks. You can't just add on time because Emmy Martinez has annoyed you. It's yeah. nonsense. And I'm happy for Emmy Martinez to hold the ball and for the referees to tell him to hurry up. If that's what he wants to do, if that's how fucking stupid Aston Villa have become, that they think they have to do this in every game. And it even seems irrelevant what the score is at the time. You just hold the ball. I think it's just he thinks that that's what he has to do now as a goalkeeper. He has to stop the cheating, though. Like, why, why is he pretending to be hurt whenever Matt Cash tickles his ribs yeah. up for a ball? Fucking knock that nonsense on the head. Get up, God, we're all like it's it's half twelve, half one on a Saturday, and this is what I'm watching. I've got the whole weekend ahead of me. Don't fucking get me off to a start like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, only one, I think only one victim or perpetrator of the John McGinn shot. Actually, John McGinn had one as well. He uh, was winding that one up for a long way, long way away. <laughs> good to see, good to see it back. But Douglas Louise tried one as well. It's just they're they're getting worse because these these shots aren't even reaching the net anymore. They're bouncing. They're bouncing out to the, towards the throw-in. Like they're bouncing out of play for a, a goal kick anyway. But the the finding touch, this was rampant today. So Emmy Buendia started it all off. He found touch twice. He blamed Moreno on the left for playing a ball behind him. He saw Moreno, he saw Moreno running. Yeah. He, he was going for that run outside Ben White, played the ball inside. And Emmy Buendia rolls it out of play on the left. And he sort of said, oh, I thought you were... Thought you were coming back, and then, and then instead of getting in the position, he kept gesturing about that. And then he tried <laughs> it with cash, <laughs> tried it with cash out in the right hand side, playing it miles in front of him. And I'm all for telling Matt Cash to get on his fucking toes and off his heels, but like, just a, it was just a bad pass from everyone there, finding touch both times. Yeah, it was a bad pass from everyone there, compounded by his fucking stinking attitude as well. <laughs> Matt Cash had the, the most. The most uh, spectacular of them all, big left foot. It was a proper rugby kick trying to find touch. He was, he was on his left foot. He was trying to play it to the forwards and it just floated right. It was like a perfect kick from an out half as the crowd are watching it and willing it to go out of play before the, the fullback can catch it, like can keep it in play. It was That was amazing. Trying to play the ball up to Ollie Watkins and just sees that boy hanging and going out into the stands. Just, just sensational for Matt Cash. But then Emmy Martin is, I mean... Oh, I, mean, I don't think we've had him mention this before. Emmy Martin has tried to play the ball to the full. It's <laughs> a new one. We need to keep an eye out. But he, try, he tries it to the left, tries it to the right, tries it to the left. Neither work. And actually, one of those ones again where, thank God, they don't work. The two, the first two especially, to Matt Cash and to Moreno. I mean, what, what would have happened if they did work? Or like, what were they going to do with the crowns of their head? And how often are we going to talk about this? Just just bad play, bad play from Emmy Martinez. Yeah, once again, all the insight to the type of footballer you are, you're worried about having to take a touch under pressure, whereas I'm just worried about the fact that Emmy Martinez isn't able to pass the ball to somebody who's only 30 yards away. Just complete the fucking pass. The pass to the fullback is on those times. The fullback can take a touch if you've played a fucking decent pass to him as well. That's yeah. what we want to happen. The ball was on to Moreno. There's definitely those two times. The one to Cash, he hung it up a bit pointlessly. But the one to Moreno was the right pass. Incredible. And he just whipped it out over his head. One of them, he actually whipped it over his head as well. It was ridiculous. The Cash Cross, capital T, capital C, capital C, is <laughs> back. The Cash Cross is back. Ah, he's bombing down the right. Watkins and Ramsey are in the box. You know, that he just needs to whip his foot around to play it in front of himself. But that guy doesn't like playing that ball in front. He likes pulling it back. He likes hacking at it. And he, he pulls it back, pulls the cross back behind Watkins and, and Ramsey. And he knows no one's there. He knows he's going to no one, but he just does it anyway. He just likes to drill it and hack it and pull it and see what happens. And nothing ever happens. And he, he did it twice. At least the second time John McGinn was the days of the box, but there was an Arsenal player in front of him, so it was also very <laughs> pointless. And I don't know if he meant it or not, but good to see that back as well. Yeah, yeah, it's brought a lot of joy to my Saturday afternoon. I mean, he's hoping there, he's hoping that Ollie Watkins has is going to drop out. I mean, surely they have a bit more of a connection than this. They've been playing together for a long time. And surely they've talked about it in training as well. What's the best approach here whenever players are in different positions? Surely they should have a bit more 
understanding of that, a bit more intuition with each other and also what actually happens on a football pitch. But also Jacob Ramsey needs to come off the left a lot quicker there. The right fullback's got the ball. Get into the fucking box, son. Yeah. Last fine. Did Bailey play the simple ball? No, <laughs> he didn't. Uh, he, on the right, he got one rejection from Zinchenko. No, he's got cash. Cash is there. Just, just, just roll back out to him. Like it's, it's not the time now to, to keep hold of this. Do your, do your thing. It's, it's time. You're under pressure. You're getting closer to the byline. The extra defender, as he calls. Just, just roll out closer to the sideline. I mean, doesn't roll out to the sides. His ego. I don't know if it's his ego or it's just poor decision making or both. He decides to go again, and then he loses it. And Arsenal pissed down the pitch and get a corner. And it's just. You know me, you know, I keep an eye on this. I keep an eye on it for the next five minutes, thinking Arsenal are going to score a goal. <laughs> and if they do score a goal, I'm blaming Leon Bailey. That's how we're starting the podcast. That really, really tells you about how bad a decision that Leon Bailey was making there, that you were willing him to pass the ball to Matt Cash in a crossing <laughs> position. <laughs> the first WhatsApp whinge. No yellow card for Enkete. Like, the referee is looking at it. I mean, this is this is the thing. He's just he's just taking a dive. Howard Webb talks the talk, you know, but we're still seeing all these images of referees standing directly in front of a player diving, cheating. He's in this case, he's three meters away from Enkete. Kanza pulls out of it. He knows what's going to happen, and Enkete takes a dive. Ref's not interested. Just lets him away with it. And and then of course there's a potential yellow card incident with Nketiah then and you're like this guy should already be on a yellow card he should already have his cough softened and he, he he took another dive at one stage and you're thinking if he had just punished him there and then this wouldn't be happening it's unbelievable I mean I think I said last week that there's so many people implicated in this and chief among them are referees and the the people in the PGMOL as well I mean you you don't want to stop diving that, that, that couldn't be clear. You do not want to stop diving if you're not going to punish things like this. I mean, that was so clear. That's as clear as somebody going over the ball and going into somebody's shin. Why could you not give a red card for that? I mean, it's a, like the, it couldn't be clear what has happened. And why don't you just add that to the VAR rules? Someone has dived, VAR tells the ref they've made a cock up. Like, that couldn't be clear. I mean, fair enough if they didn't want to get involved with the Jack Grealish incident last week. Because apparently they don't know how human bodies work and they couldn't possibly call that necessarily a dive. But Eddie and Kenny, nobody is near him when he decides to flop to the ground. Even if Kanza put a foot in there, it would be so obvious that that was a dive that you shouldn't feel any pressure about booking him for doing it. Like the ref waved play on. What is he waving play, play on from? He's waving play on from Enkedia going to the ground and turning around and asking for a free kick. Why is he waving play on? Because he doesn't think Kanza has fouled him. He doesn't think Kanza has put in a fucking tackle. <laughs> the second WhatsApp winch. The amount of energy when the expends complaining to the ref is just too much. I mean, and and this this case, do you remember the one Douglas Louise has played him in brilliantly? It's on his left foot. He just did it. He just did it against Leicester in the last home match. He whipped this glorious shot of his left foot off the far underside of the crossbar. And he just doesn't take the shot this time. And he just gets brushed off the ball. And he just spends the next 
four minutes complaining to the referee when he could have been doing something about it all along. When he could have been doing something for the club that pays his wages, yeah. I mean, have you ever seen anyone play any better whenever they're running around whinging at the referee? It is the most counterproductive thing in the world. It's fucking stupid. Not only does it distract you, you're taking your, you're literally taking yourself out of the game and you're taking yourself out of the headspace to be an effective footballer. Yeah. And when has being a cunt yeah. ever helped you later on? Like, if you treat someone like a cunt, do you think they're going to be kinder to you after that? Why are you tell? Why are you whinging at the referee? Be sound to the referee, and the ref will be sound to you as well. It's not humans are stupid. They're so fucking easy to manipulate, and you don't manipulate them by whinging at them the whole fucking five minutes because he lost the ball himself. It was Bundy's fault. The ref knows this. Well, sorry, I'm saying that as if the ref knows what football is. We just talked about him with Eddie and Kerry there a second ago. <laughs> Last one. The amount of as it stands updates of the top two in this game <laughs> was incredible. This was off the charts, as if it was the last match of the day of the season. <laughs> you know, as if there's not fifteen games to go. As if this isn't a game in hand anyway that Arsenal were playing at half twelve. It's, what the fuck was this about? Why we just honed in on these two teams for a potential title race? What is going on? But absolutely incredible, like you said, 15 games left as it stands. It's so irrelevant, it's incredible. Fucking hell, we'll leave that there and we'll come back with the awards after this. You mean it's like a fucking excited dog? Doggy Louise. There's no point in all fucking three running over the ball. It's like someone, someone has to kick it. I honestly don't think Dougie knows what, what routine is being called. You mean he's like a fucking excited dog? Like just, just happy to be there? McGinn and Bundia run over the ball and fucking Doggy comes bounding in. What, what are we doing, guys? Running over the ball? Is it all? That, that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. Do- Doggy should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg. Like yeah. a good boy. <laughs> that looks like fun. Oh, you guys are the best. No, where are you going? You're the last one. You have to hit it. That's a bad doggy. <laughs> the Rosenthal Award was actually very peacefully empty for a long time in this game and it was like wow we are a clinical team we are just putting any chance we get away so Arsenal had most of the chances really that and the Mings clearance was I think it was a bad header from Enkete that gave Mings the chance to clear it. It's the Ming spider, really. He stretches out the big leg and he, he volleys away. Enkete's bad header was uh, Ben White. It might have been offside. He got inside Coutinho anyway a bit too easily. I was worried we would see that again, but he played it across. Bad header from Enkete. Unbelievable clearance from Mings. It's brilliant from Mings. It's, it's so graphically brilliant defending as well. Yeah. But here's a question for you. Are we supposed to believe that Eddie and Ketty is a good footballer? 
good question. It's a good question. Like, well, what, what's your what's your basis? That he's fucking shit. That I've never <laughs> seen him play well. Like this lad, every time, like talk about fucking the the opposite of Dwight Gill. I mean, every time I fucking see this lad, he's terrible, and people can't talk about him highly more highly. It's unbelievable. He was atrocious today. He just kept missing big chance after big chance. Ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he's supposed to be. Like he seems to be just fortunate that he's a spearhead in a really good team at the minute, and he's he's putting a couple of goals away because of that. But just a couple of times where he falls asleep as well. His movement isn't particularly good. I don't know if he's that fast. He, his finishing's obviously not lethal. So it's a strange one. His his hold up play isn't it's non-existent. So <laughs> I don't know what he is as a striker. What he's bringing. There was one. Was it Martinelli? That that had gone through, yeah. Martinelli had that run where he had Kanza was or Kamara was trying to get turned. I think he was actually a good defender from a Villa point of view, but it was just a bit dangerous where Kamara or Kanza couldn't get turned. He knew they were going to eventually, but Martinelli was sort of keeping them on a string well, and then he rolled it to the left, and and Ketia was just watching him the whole time. <laughs> he didn't make any run. He didn't like he would have been through there if he had just ran. It was like the. Tommy Asu cross against Man City. You're looking back there and being like, "Why did he not? What happened there? Like, why was he not there? He was there, but he wasn't there. He was just watching Tommy Asu play a ball across for an open net for a striker, and he didn't realize he was that striker." <laughs> yeah, and and you just said there as well at the start of that that his finishing isn't that good. He missed a header from six inches out. Okay, he let Tyrone Mings get his foot in the way and I what the fuck was put your head on that and put it in the fucking net yeah the, he did have another header that did it hit the top of the crossbar I think it did well and not well enough. he got up well to be fair to him yeah, yeah he got up well <laughs> and I, I don't think he could have scored he had to get up the way he did it was another Ben White cross in fairness to Ben White um, but I don't think he could have scored, but he had to get up the way he did. But then he was too high and he was never going to get over it then at that stage. Bailey's right foot. Bailey's right foot. <laughs> what a fucking strike. So Bubakar Kamara switches the play. Like it, it, it's, it's, I'm praising Bubakar Kamara. I thought he was good today, but he's overhit this one. And in a way, that sort of worked because I think everybody just sort of stopped, except Leon Bailey, whose touch was amazing. And then he just it just went. Sometimes I wonder, is Bailey actually fast? I'm not sure. I don't know if I see it enough. But like I hear that he's fast. I just don't really see it being used. I see him burning players, but Jesus he went. When he when he took that ball down, he he lit it up and away he went and he absolutely smashed this one. Ramsdale's tipped it off the underside of the crossbar. That was a two two as well. I mean oh my god, it was ugh. he did well, I think. Good strike. Yeah, it, it's an absolutely dreadful pass from Kamara. And Leon Bailey's touch is so good that not only does he pluck it out of the air, he actually knocks it and he intentionally does it. He knocks it down the line for himself as well so that he's on the move straight away. Yeah. And I think Leon Bailey is fast and I think he needs to use it a lot more. He needs to be more direct sometimes. Sometimes he just has to go at the defender and he doesn't realize that often because he wants to come inside. But like we said, every time Leon Bailey goes on to his right foot, Aston Villa get a chance. This time it was all his own chance. And it's a it's a really good strike. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale does his best to duck out of the way of it, but somehow manages to flick a finger up at it and get it onto the crossbar. 
Gabriel reacting like he didn't purposely direct that ball over the bar. I mean, what was he? What was he so shocked about when he saw that header go over the bar? <laughs> that was like the Tyrone Mings thing. He did exactly what you wanted to do, seemingly there. Like you flicked the ball as high as you could, and it's gone way over the bar. Yeah, and speak, speaking of Tyrone Mings, it was a really odd decision of his to just stand underneath Gabriel and not jump while this was all <laughs> developing. Incredible. It was so strange. It was like he was stuck in custard. He just kind of turned around and kept walking back. Get up! The ball's in the air, Tyrone! <sighs> Two each, we had another chance. We had another chance. John Duran went through. Seemed like we had a man over it. Like it was there very briefly. It was Leon Bailey, I think, inside. Duran and Bailey were away, but they had sort of they had sort of closed Bailey down and they were occupying him and the space was with Duran, so I think he was right to take the take the shot. It started with a brilliant Jacob Ramsey slide tackle down the right hand side, great ball up the line and bang, Duran went as well, the same way Bailey went and he had a shot work the keeper thought it was a bad enough save from Ramsdale the way he panned it back into the box but there was nobody there to, to finish it off Bailey got it again but nothing came of it yeah if, if Durant doesn't pass it to Bailey straight away then the pass wasn't on and he was right to keep running once he doesn't play it because Arsenal do block off the space fairly well Durant needs to get a better angle for the shot though I mean he does have so much space he needs to be a lot more aggressive with the run towards the goal and he decides to shoot from a really, really awkward angle, and he's asking, he's asking himself to do something incredibly special there, or to get Arm Ramsdale involved in the game, which probably isn't that. <laughs> I think there's only one clear winner, and it's also from an Aston Villa point of view the clear winner of the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award, even more so than the Tyrone Mings header into the box. The Ezra Konza dispossessed by Enkete. There we go. There maybe maybe he's good at pressing. Or maybe he's <laughs> taking the ball, taking the ball off a centre back. He's standing on the ball. Like this, this is it. This is this stage of the game now where Villa start doing it. They start, they start yeah. acting the maggot again. Mings floating the ball out to Cash. Cash taking his time. They bring it down and then, and then poking it back to Kanza. Kanza dallying on the ball, looking at Martinez. Should I play at him or not? And then just Katia taking it off him and Odegaard. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on, my my fantasy team's doing well. I'm top of the Qatar Lions uh, fantasy football league. I think I'm top of an, an all Aston Villa Twitter league. I'm going really well at the minute, is the point, and it would have gone much better if Odegaard had to just put that easy chance away. I'd say log on to your Twitter there and talk about that to those people. Um, it. <laughs> Yeah, once again, it had all become far too pedestrian, dicking around. In fact, it was like a weird mix. Once again, it was the weird mix of being casual, but also being nervous. And the casualness is probably all born from the nervousness, as in they're trying to pretend they're not nervous. I mean, that yeah. happens an awful lot with Konza, and it happens an awful lot with his other defensive partners as well. And it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, because he's got so much time as well, and Keddy is right in front of him. I mean, I, I know I don't think Keddy and Keddy is much of a striker but he's also a visible human being he's standing right there in front of you past the fucking ball and like i said one thing i'll say about him is that he's a visible human being <laughs> and yeah i'm surprised that Enkedi decides to pass it even as well but it's it's a decent pass odegaard ends up making himself stretch for it and like i said if a club with odegaard as a captain wins the title then we may give up this fucking podcasting business there was another one as well where it was reversed i think it's a really a really good chance to compete with us where 
just out the field. Odegaard steps around Jerome Ings like he's a fucking puddle, and then he gives it. He gives it to Enkedia. The roles reversed here, and then Enkedia just fucking clubs it with all the subtlety of a Tiger Woods joke, yeah. and it floats it over the bar by about six foot. It was that was weird. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, especially with a defender. I think it was Kanza on the line. Like even if he had it dinked it properly, it was just getting cleared. Yeah. Just, just put it away. Uh, you like them? We didn't take a 90th minute penalty award. Why did Ollie Watkins come off? <laughs> Don't like that. Don't want to see that again. I'm all for Duran coming on. Wanted Duran to start. Didn't want to see Watkins come off. We need to keep this man on. I think I think he wanted to get Duran on. He wanted to get a bit more energy. And he had already brought on Bailey for the obvious option for Duran to come on. I think he should have just brought Duran on for the, at the time he brought on Bailey. Bailey was decent when he came on. But if he wanted to get Duran on, that was the time to do it. And it, it leaves you with a, another option to maybe bring Bailey on in midfield if you are chasing the game later on yeah, to make it a bit more attacking. But once he had brought on Bailey, he couldn't get Duran on other than bringing off Watkins. Coutinho and Buendia in the same team. I don't know what it is. I don't like it. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I think it ruins Buendia's mojo as well, if anything else. Maybe this was just the trough that we get in Emmy Buendia's up and down performances. Like it's, the peaks are very high and then and it goes down anyway. Maybe it was just coincidental that Coutinho was there, but I just feel like he he plays a bit more within himself when Coutinho's there. Um, I know he changed position slightly as well today, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I just I, I don't I don't think it works. I would rather I'm going to say it. I would rather have seen Bailey up there, <laughs> you know, and I definitely would have rather have seen Duran from the start. You liked it for the second goal, though. You liked them in the same team for that, I'd say. Um, That's a good point. Combination between the two of them. I mean, they do have these moments of beautiful play between the two of them. And you say Buendia looks like he plays within himself. I mean, he made sure everybody in the ground knew that he was largely responsible for Coutinho's goal as well. Once again, going off to celebrate the fact that he let the ball under his legs on his own (laughs) instead of turning around to the goal scorer. It's a horrible habit this man has. Like the time he hit the crossbar and Watkins nodded it in and then fucking Buendia's off peeling away to the... To the whole thing on his own, over might as well fucking dancing with a corner flag. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I, I I'm letting this one sit, but I think I like it. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going to make a a final decision at some stage in the near future. But I think I'm a fan of Wendy trying to take the glory for these little things. Calling the referee a cunt doesn't make doesn't make the referee like you anymore. And running off celebrating. Someone else's goal, as if it was your goal, doesn't make your teammates like it anymore. <laughs> and remember as well how bad a position Coutinho was coming from. I mean, he was good when he came on the last day, but th- this guy is in a terrible run of form. He hasn't scored since the last game of last season. Fucking go for and give him a hug. <laughs> this next one isn't Dendonker hit, but why is Douglas Louise coming off for Dendonker? Like... I don't care if he's on a yellow card. I don't care if it was a stupid yellow card. Can 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 we not trust players? Maybe there is a a contradiction there when we're talking about Douglas Louise and how lack of trust we have of him sometimes with the decisions and tackles that he makes. But ah, can we not trust players? He does not make a second yellow card offense. Play play in midfield like he was. He was really good. I thought. I don't think we we should have taken him off. There's obviously a risk reward balance there. Do you want to risk Douglas Louise getting sent off, or do you want to bring on Leander Dendonker and be in control of taking yourself down to ten men? 
<laughs> I think that was that was the decision that sat with Emery, and he decided because because he is a man of action that he wanted to take himself down to ten minutes. He's not going to just sit and wait for it. <laughs> Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. Probably a, an honourable mention for Moreno, seemingly watching clips of Bernardo Silva playing left-back against Saka. Just like, <laughs> I'll just chop this boy down every chance I get. I'll just come in these Achilles every chance I get. Sort of effective, really. <laughs> sort of. I know Saka got the goal. Can't really blame Moreno for that. I don't think Moreno you know, was particularly good. Did well for the goal. Amazing run around Ben White. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, he, he, he did stop Saka having that big an impact that you would expect Saka to have on the game, especially against Villa's left-hand side, where it was, well, I was thinking, this is going to be Luca Dean and Buendia on the left-hand side against Saka. And it turned out to be Moreno and Coutinho. But I think the setup probably helped him as well um, to give the, the management team a bit of credit. He, he seemed to be allowed to just watch the outside and he was helped out a lot then by a midfielder coming and watching the inside. Yeah, he got into Saka's head and Saka wasn't as good as he, as he normally is. Saka lad as well. I mean, like, never meet your heroes. I mean, I loved Saka up until today. What a moaning little prick. I mean, <laughs> And 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 also another thing you'd have to hold against him is the fact that he failed to take advantage of the fact that he was being marked by Moreno as well. I mean, Moreno was aggressive, but Moreno was a bad defender. Moreno's sense of positioning is absolutely shocking. And you're talking there as if Arsenal didn't get in down there right fifteen times. You went through it there in the Rossenthal Award. Ben White, he let Ben White run around them a few times. Like this is. This is the level Moreno's defending at. And then even on the ball, if Moreno is in any sort of trouble, he loses the ball. He loses possession. He's here in Pep Guardiola, lost his hair. But if he gets into any trouble, it, it, it never it never turns out that Moreno's coming back out with a ball. It's always just a turnover for the opposition. Yeah. Yeah, there's only all our, we sort of touched on it. There was only one other <laughs> positive. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about in the Tim Sherwood Award is just uh, we are potent. That is one thing. I think it's a mm. a good starting point. I think it is enjoyable watching Villa. And I don't mean, it's not about being entertaining. It's not about, oh, the game was enjoyable because I get that that's frustrating when people can <laughs> say that, you know, when you lose four two twice at home, but like, in two games. But actually... It's about being functional and you know, we actually do have an idea of how to do the fundamental thing and score goals and that is good. And I think it's something that can really be built on. Like I, I don't fear Villa opening any team up over and over in any game. I think we're actually one of the best in the best league in the world at doing it. Like whatever setup we're faced with, we will always get chances and it depends how much we, we score and then I think more pertinently, considering we've conceded 11 goals in three games, it depends how much we concede. <laughs> yeah, I think the... I, maybe I'm wrong with this, but I, I don't think... I think we've scored every game that Emery's been in charge. I'm, I'm obviously put myself out there to be shot down with this one, but I'm pretty sure we have. I've, you keep talking, I'll check. <laughs> you could have fucking checked beforehand, Connor. But like, yeah, we're, we obviously are a lot... A lot easier on the eye going forward, but we're also a lot more effective as well. And it's just incredible how much of a difference having a manager who encourages his players to to pass the ball to each other and tells them where to stand on the pitch will do for your ability to create chances. And we're a much, much more 
enjoyable team to watch and a much more effective team going forward. Yeah. Did we beat Chelsea? <laughs> Sorry. I'm just looking through your results here and I see Aston Villa. It was a friendly, for God's sake. <laughs> it's the sort of stuff we should be preparing before the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, let's go to the Lyman meter. I think we have scored in every game, it looks like, even even against Chelsea in the club friendly. We didn't score. We didn't score against Villarreal. There you go. There you go. It's proven wrong. Um, <laughs> the Vima meter going up and down. Well, I suppose there's, there's actually two elements to this. I know the first element is sort of going up and down. It's Tyrone Mings' new contract. <laughs> Bad timing, really. But I think we were all happy to see that. Uh, Chris Dolan tweeted to say, very good. A good callback to the... The Gerard days, remember that? But he tweeted to say, look me in the eyes and tell me you're not delighted with this news. And I think I am delighted with this news. What I'm not delighted with and what is going down in the Vima meter is this new habit, this new trend that contract lengths are undisclosed. <laughs> like a transfer <laughs> fee. Why are we not telling people now how many years somebody's signed on for? I don't, I don't get this. <laughs> it, it is It is a strange a strange habit. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why we'd be doing that. Actually, what's the threat here? Because a club could just speak to the player's agent and he'll say, oh yeah, no, he's out of contract next year. It's not like we're able to, to hide this indefinitely if a player wants out. Bizarre. The, going up, the bleached haircut from, or the bleached hair of Douglas Louise, like it's, it, it's not something that I liked before and I liked when it, disappeared and it shaved his head i'm a sucker for people shaving their heads anyway but good to see that working today like he had a bleach and it was still working and going up is uh the rat john mcginn is back i like ratty mcginn and he there he was he was chasing him behind people getting his arse in the way when they weren't expecting it coming away with the ball like the game i thought he was quiet enough uh, on the ball wise for for a large part of the game and then he, he grew into it like he actually became important on the ball late on but he his baseline was just working hard and nipping nipping attacks in the bud and taking the ball away from people and just generally being a rat. Good baseline. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think he was ratty enough at the start of the second half. I mean, I think he's exactly the type of player I would have wanted to have noticed a lot more at the start of the second half, and it just wasn't. It wasn't there, unfortunately. But hard to have a go with John McGinn today, given how everyone else played. <laughs> yeah going down definitely Emmy Martin is probably going down the the furthest out of everybody bad bad performance from him today he kicked the ball out of play three times he, he scored an OG he just wasn't like, he, well, like what more can you say he wasn't that going to start it off well he took a brilliant cross in a, in a huge crowd of players where he caught it as well and fell to the ground and lay there for a couple of seconds and then realised <laughs> fuck we've actually got a counter attacking chance here and got up didn't release the ball though. Was kept it in his hands for a while, and then eventually got a yellow card for it. Yeah, we conceded <laughs> a goal when he was in the box, the opposition box, and you uh, uh, and I, Emery said afterwards that that wasn't part of the plan, and he wasn't happy about it. He said maybe he said something about maybe in a cup game or something like that, but don't really get what the difference is though, right? Like the idea of doing it in a cup game is you can go out of the cup. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of doing it here is that we're going to lose anyways. It's the same principle, really. We might as well. I don't think the goal difference is that important, is it? 
well, well, we'll talk about that in 15 or 16 games time. I don't know. I didn't get a live update of the table for uh, 12th to 10th position <laughs> from from FUBU Sports or wherever it was. I was watching it perfectly legally. I'd, uh, it was a... Yeah, I don't get the, the cup the cup game argument. I get the argument that it wasn't part of the plan because it was a minute, minute and a half left by the time we went up. I mean, there's plenty of time. We don't need to throw the goalkeeper up there. It's a corner. Corner's a big chance anyway. Emmy Martinez getting into the box doesn't make it any bigger a chance. I've never seen him head the ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, going up, Ollie Watkins, four goals in four games. Unbelievable. Yeah. Always a willing runner. We don't need to go into it. We, we all know why we love Ollie Watkins and now he's adding goals every game. Keep it up. Going up, Philip Coutinho. We were skeptical. He came on, did really well against Man City. We said, yeah, he did really well when we were 3-0 down. Thought he did well today. Thought he did well today. He took his goal well as well. It was a good 60 minutes from him anyway. Ah, yeah, he was good. He was good on the ball. It was a good bit of passing in the first half. I mean, whenever... Whenever we, Jacob Ramsey was warming up, I was thinking, brilliant, we're going to get that whinging at Larsol Bundia off now because he has not performed in this game game at all. And then whenever Coutinho popped up, I was like, oh, yeah. The only reason I wasn't thinking about taking him off is because I forgot he was on the fucking pitch for the first 20 minutes of the second half. Philippe Coutinho just wasn't involved at all. And he was more more than rightly taken off at that stage of the game. Brilliant first half, though. Yeah. Going up, Bertrand Terrori is back on the bench. It's getting closer. It's getting closer, Liam. And number nine, Bertrand Terrori is back on the bench. <laughs> this, is, this is a whole new prospect. I can't wait. I can't wait. I have to say, a little disappointed they didn't come on. When I saw Bailey coming on, I was like, ah, come on, get, get there, get here. <laughs> and just that one you're talking about, in fairness, Bailey did exactly what I would want Bertie T on for that touch from the sky and moving it forward. Like that, that's just Bertie T all over. The only difference is when he moves it forward, then he would just play it across the field or something mad like that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to elaborate cross field back heel. <laughs> going down the Arsenal captain's armband like you're, you're, you're laughing at Martin Odegaard there Rob Holden comes on and takes the captain's armband that's the come on come on it's bad enough this guy's been at the club for oh, I think it's seven years maybe maybe longer than that but probably like, the type of thing we should have checked before the podcast <laughs> it's annoying because I did check it last night just sometimes it's thinking of these random footballers and and have a look at them, but like it is seven years, yeah, my memory's correct, and he's only had 91 now, 91 appearances in the league over seven years, and one of those years, he actually played, I think it was a lockdown year, he played 30 games, so you can just imagine the the amount of games he's actually playing every season, he just, just seems to enjoy being there, I think I brought him up the last time we played Arsenal, maybe it's unfair, but look, I didn't want them on my radar today, I didn't expect to see the captain's armband on him. <laughs> 90 games in 7 years sounds like the type of player that Aston Villa will sign in 2 years time <laughs> oh brilliant um, the only other thing going down really is uh, sometimes it's important to self reflect and it's it's an old article of mine I think it's it's important to bring it up today because it's the week of Tim Sherwood being appointed Aston Villa manager eight years to the day on Valentine's Day on Tuesday Tim Sherwood was appointed manager and if I had it just stuck to my guns the first article that I wrote about this was on Valentine's Day in 2015 <laughs> and it said Tim Sherwood and Randy Lerner are a match made in hell for doomed Aston Villa 
And you know when I said I got the first three paragraphs of this article read Tim Sherwood, Tim Sherwood, Tim fucking Sherwood. <laughs> And then it says, I like this one, reads like the worst Valentine's Day poem of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but then, like, you know, but as is my want, only a few months later, I've done a complete U-turn and I wrote an article that was entitled, Tim Sherwood, I'm Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And you know the buzz at the time, like you were with me, we went to the Wembley, they hammered Liverpool, not just beat them, they hammered them, they were flying, there was... They stayed up, they beat Everton, I remember they should have beat City, they beat Spurs, they were outplaying all these teams. And I came out and I batted, we're talking about, we're slagging Pep Guardiola for batting for Man City. I was batting for Tim Sherwood. I said, I was scared, I was frightened. This is quotes, by the way, this is an article, an actual published article I got paid to write. (laughs) Even now, I'm still lying, I'm making excuses. I was wrong. I was cynical, skeptical, snobby, even fed up, blah, blah, blah. Thought Tim Sherwood was the final death nail. <laughs> I said it again. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I sort of, for some reason, tried to justify everything. Then, In a way, I don't think Sherwood should have gotten the job, blah, blah, blah. Not, not, not much experience. In a way, I'm glad he did. It was a risk, but it paid off. I won't apologize to Lerner for rolling the dice of Aston Villa. I will, however, apologize to Timmy. <laughs> and then it's just a paragraph after paragraph of what he's done to the club how he's gotten Benteke the best out of him how Fabian Delph has transformed into one of England's best players Jack Grealish no longer playing for the under 21s because Sherwood's plucked him out and Tom cleverly is upgraded <laughs> actually this is a funny line in fairness to me even Tom cleverly has upgraded from pitiful to grand <laughs> <laughs> I give myself credit for that one but, uh, geez, as you go through it, it's just uh, it's sad, really. Like, is, this is how it ends. Tim Sherwood deserves respect. He has restored my faith in being a football fan. He has restored my faith in proving people wrong. He's restored my faith full stop. And for that, I was wrong. For that, I thank him. For that, I am sorry. A <laughs> uh, couple months later, I was writing an article to call for his head again. But... <laughs> <laughs> But this is it, isn't it? We we just go along with what's happening. We see how the evidence changes. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Why do you think the anniversary of Tim Sherwood is something worth talking about? (laughs) I have to say, I still still have the feeling in my stomach. Do you ever smell, do you ever walk past someone and you get a whiff of perfume from from an old night out there, an old flame and takes you back i don't know what it is you don't you don't miss that person or anything but just for a split second you're you're there back in that moment i can't even can't articulate what the feeling is really you're just there and i i, I can't shake that buzz of 2015 tim sherwood i, I can't like that was I mean, the, the, talking about the liverpool game there at wembley sure we got hammered 4-0 by arsenal then in the final but it never <laughs> mattered it was just so much fun and, to answer your question, I don't know what the point of bringing it up is, but uh, I saw a lot of posts about Tim Sherwood this week, and I thought, yeah, I still sort of miss him. <laughs> <laughs> you are truly the Marcel Proust of football 
journalism, Conan. <laughs> the smell of Tim Sherwood's rotten gilet just brings you back. Brings you back to us rushing through the tunnels in the London Underground, desperately trying to make our flight home. Yeah, maybe maybe it was the gilet on you and today. Who knows? But the only question I can answer, or the only question we can answer, but probably will, I have this week is surely Graham Potter needs to get a move on if he wants to try and keep Leeds up in the Premier League. <laughs> What's he doing? Like, does he want to take that job or not? Hurry up. Like, what are you, what are you doing? You're running out of time, pal. Yeah, this is uh, this is the direction that Graham Potter's career is going, isn't it? I mean, it it is... It is going to be an interesting one whenever Graham Potter becomes the next Brendan Rodgers because you know Emery's going to eventually become too big for Aston Villa. Maybe I'm just speaking because I've just lost today and I'm too pessimistic. If you know Emery's going to get plucked by some big club, they're going to realise that oh, fuck this lad's actually a really good manager. Let's take him <laughs> away from Aston Villa. Graham Potter is going to have been found out having gone to the big club and not worked out, and then he's going to have to eventually go back to Aston Villa in some sort of Brendan Rodgers recuperation program at Leicester. Luckily for us, though, Graham Potter isn't a plonker <laughs> at all. And his response to your pals in the media during the week was just absolutely glorious when he was asked, when he was asked, do you ever get angry? What makes it? What a fucking stupid question. Yeah. And to be fair, he started off by saying, well, apart from this question, in the calmest way I could possibly imagine someone answering that question, it was incredible, absolute bollocks journalism. And he was so, it was so good, so satisfying to hear someone say exactly what you would want them to say. Next week, you'll be writing an article about referees at underage level getting abused or at grassroots levels getting abused. And now you're asking me why I'm not getting angrier on the sideline. Fucking so spot on. Get him in, Conan. Get him in. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I'm qualified to talk about bollocks journalism given what we've just gone through <laughs> on my my track record but yeah it was it was a brilliant response and it's 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 ironic again talk about self-reflection like there's just no no self-awareness really of 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 that incident that he points out and they probably kind or too professional to point out that on the same hand the same type of media are reacting every single week and today again reacting to Mikel Arteta being too angry on the sideline being too real having no poker face and it's just like you know what what do we want here like what's like what what is it that we're looking at why do we care why like what is it do you need to see from a manager it's like back in the old England manager days like he doesn't have enough passion and then when the manager does have nothing but passion then we need a foreign manager. And then when we get a foreign manager in who knows technical football, then he doesn't have the connection. He doesn't have enough passion. <laughs> and we just continue going back and forward with that. And that's what the media are doing. And I suppose they'll they'll keep doing that because it's something to write about. But that was brilliant. And I just hope somebody, I know people kid themselves and they make up excuses then and they, and they make themselves believe something else, but they rationalize things in their own head. But I hope somebody along the way maybe just took stock and thought, Jesus, yeah, he's, he's actually right. I did write an article before complaining about the treatment of referees in underage football, and now I'm asking Graham Potter why he's not why he's not blowing a gasket on the sideline <laughs> over, over a decision that's not going to change. 
You've just reminded me of fucking Mikel Arteta sarcastically rolling the ball to mimic yeah. the referee. What? How the fuck is he getting away with that? Yeah. Why did the referee not go for him? But it was so unbelievably blatant disrespect to the referee. It was incredible. Like, I actually don't even remind him of that. I can't believe it and get booked for that. And the worst thing about that was, why is he sarcastic? It's not the referee's fault that your player's too fucking dense to put his hand on the ball before he takes the free kick. <laughs> No, do you know, I, I would have gotten angry about that because I, I saw it pop up again on my timeline and popping up under the head of somebody laughing like how class it was and I immediately just blocked it out. Like, I've got this thing working. <laughs> do you know why? Because it said, and this, this is what made me sick and I thought I need to shut this down in my head and not think about it ever again. It said, 89th minute and 40-something seconds and it read 2-2 on the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fucking look at this ever again. But that's it. Look, hopefully we're through the worst of it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to just put a pin in this one now and move on. Like we, we showed that we can, we can throw a punch anyway. We, 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 we've also showed that we can't cover ourselves up and we can't hold our hands up. Really is a proper boxing analogy because we just get tired. We leave our hands down and just let our chins be exposed to anybody's fists along the way. So that's frustrating, but. Maybe now we've we've come through the shit and maybe they'll start getting better. The fixture list does look good, but you know, we know that we can't we can't get too excited about that. But we know that you and I am raising charge and hopefully he's ditched the Geely for next time. Or maybe just change the colour. It looks like one of those outside in type of Geelys that he can turn it around. It might be blue on the other side. So um, maybe you can try something different with that next week and apart from that i have a feeling you're not going to come back on that one so i think we'll just leave the podcast there name unless you do have anything to add no didn't think so so thanks a million for listening <laughs> and please share it on uh if you do get the chance and uh, yeah appreciate all the support as always and i really appreciate the people who've been sending emails as well we will um start putting them together for for a bit of a show so keep them coming in the villa podcast at gmail.com they're all red and i try to get back to everybody as well so thanks a million and we will chat to you soon